You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. going on a game day it is the Calgary Flames and the Dallas Stars for the third and final time this season wrapping up their season series tonight at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome the 9-10-3 Calgary Flames look to crawl back to 500 as they welcome in the 13-5-2 Dallas Stars your Flames pregame 6 o'clock tonight with the one and only Pat Steinberg before Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson have the call right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios. The Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Busy show for you today. We will get you set for the Stars and the Flames from the Saddle Dome. Take you into the Flames locker room in a few moments. Bring you game day audio first here on Sportsnet 960. Hear from head coach Ryan Huska. Blake Coleman and A.J. Greer on a game day. Also on the program today, a look at the opposition side. Yusuf from the Athletics going to join us. Take a look at this Dallas team for the final time this season. And Thursdays, of course, me in the chat with our pal Adnan Verk, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. So lots to come on the program. Glad you're along for the ride. Whether you're listening live or on the podcast, if you are listening live, a quick reminder, the fan feedback line, it's always open to you here on Sportsnet today. 960-960, shoot us a text. If you want to talk about anything that we hit on the program today, 960-960. And you might even be lucky enough to get a reply from one of my outstanding producers this afternoon, Cam and Taylor, along with me for the ride here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. We're kicking things off, of course, on a game day. Flames and Stars game two of a six-game homestand for the Calgary Flames. They will welcome in the Vancouver Canucks on Saturday. But first, dealing with the Dallas Stars tonight. What can we tell you about tonight's lineup? Per our pal Pat Steinberg, the host of Flames Talk, and the host of Flames Hockey here on Sportsnet 960. Jacob Markstrom will get the start tonight against the Dallas Stars. I know we said that on Monday, but we mean it this time, I think. After missing Monday's game with an illness, Jacob practiced Wednesday, back out for morning skate today, and is your projected starter for the Calgary Flames. They will look like this against the Dallas Stars. Your lines and D pairings as follows. Manjapani, Lindholm, Sharon Govich, Kadri and the Kids, Kadri, Zeri Pospisil, Huberto, Backlund, Coleman, AJ Greer with Adam Ruzichka, 
and Dylan Dubé. Your D pairings, McKenzie Weger with Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannafin and uh, Chris Tanev, who was good to go after that late block in period three. That saw him require 12 stitches to his chin. He's back and ready to go. Dennis Gilbert and Nikita Zadorov make up your third pairing. Scott Wedgwood, your confirmed starter for the Dallas Stars tonight. Won't be Jake Ottinger, which is probably bad news for the Calgary Flames in a weird way. Because as good as Jake Ottinger's been in his NHL career and as good as he was in that playoff series against Calgary a few years ago, his numbers against the Flames, frankly awful. Now, Otter's got a 9-4-2 record this season with a 2.53 goals against and a 9-16 save percentage. Pretty good numbers for a number one goaltender. But look at the six starts against Calgary in his career, not including the playoffs. That goals against average spikes to a 4.32 goals against, and the save percentage drops to an 884 save percentage in six games. So maybe not a surprise that the Dallas Stars going with a different goaltender against the Calgary Flames because for whatever reason, the Calgary Flames seem to have Jake Ottinger's number. Of course, going back earlier in the month, that 7-4 win for the Calgary Flames in Dallas the last two, the last time these two teams met up. Uh, some notes ahead of this game before we hear from uh, head coach Ryan Husk on a game day. Dallas, a strong road team this season, 8-1-1 one one on the road. Second best road record in the NHL, only behind that of the LA Kings. And they have been rock solid in Calgary since the 2013-14 season, when I believe Taylor was still a toddler. The Dallas Stars own a 11-2-1 record in Calgary. And that record, 7-1 since the 2017-2018 season. So the Dallas Stars love coming to Calgary. Flames would love to change that and start this homestand off on a two-game winning streak. They want to do that. That power play is going to need to improve. We've talked about it, uh, but the power play is especially struggling at home this season. Only twice at the Scotiabank Saddledome have the Flames lit the lamp on the power play in 25 opportunities. All the home games this season, just two power play goals in 25 attempts for the Calgary Flames. That, uh, if you're not good at math like I am, turns out to be 8% at home this season for the power play. Not good enough. It's obviously uh, a point of emphasis for this group. We asked Ryan Huska about it on Monday after the game against the Vegas Golden Knights, said, look, they were doing some good things, but it's a process. It's baby steps. It's working towards where they want to be on the power play. We'll see if perhaps this game against Dallas brings them some better fortune on the power play. But let's head to the Flames locker room on a game day. Get you some game day audio immediately following morning skate today, starting with the head coach, Ryan Huska, and his thoughts as the Flames go up against the Dallas Stars on Thursday night. Your record in terms of the first goal of the game has not been through this solid run. Uh, are you happy with the starts despite the goals? Like, are you still seeing good good out-of-the-gate performances? I feel like we have. I mean, one of the goals for us is to always win a first period. Um, 
you know, I think you have a you give yourself a better chance of winning if you're playing with the lead instead of always having to chase games. So uh, you always want to score first, but I feel like we've we've come to play, and that's that's an important thing in in trying to allow yourself to get that lead. But ideally, you don't want to chase games for sure. So it's it's something that's important for us, and we want to we want to answer first. Is there is there maybe a little more of an emphasis on? Not playing from behind as often you've done really well when trailing, but how do you how do you sort of reverse that a little bit and get to the point? No, it's there's no emphasis on it. It's about scoring first or trying to play with the lead more. So we go that direction instead of the other way. Yeah. Right. A couple of years ago, when these teams met in the playoffs, you pretty much had to put the puck in a deep cup yeah. to score a goal. In the last four regular season meetings, uh, it's about ten goals per game between the two teams. Uh, any way to explain that? No. <laughs> um, I, I think you go into games against them expecting two to one games, um, and we have done that since that playoff series, and we'll continue to do that. Yeah. You look at that game the last time Dallas was here, and maybe specifically the third period as what started to be a turning point for your group. Uh, we started to play the right way for sure. I mean, that was a night where. Um, we were good for the first two periods, but I thought we really, we really picked up our play in regards to the team's team game in the third period. So I, I think that was a night where people started to actually believe in what we were trying to accomplish as a team and as a group, where they saw against a very good team, hey, we can we can make some noise. So um, I I would say yeah, that was probably one of the the moments that we started to get our game going for sure. You mean people uh, inside your room? believe that uh, you saw your game going or just on the outside because it looked like internally or it sounded like internally that's where you're going with that yeah that's more so I mean we don't people outside I mean it is what it is um, but it's the guys inside that you know once they grab hold of it they're the ones that are going to either do it or not do it at the end of the day so I, I think when they see themselves having some success it's it's always a, a catalyst for more right I think that's just kind of normal Yep. What have you seen out of the resiliency of your group and, and being able to not not get too concerned when they are down and being able to claw back? What, what's been the key to that? Yeah, know? as we talked about, you don't want to be down first. But I, the key to that for me is your leadership because it's easy for guys to, hey, it's not tonight's not our night. We'll, we'll be better next game. But, you know, we have guys that are wearing letters for one. But um, we talk about those guys fairly regularly. But another guy is Blake Coleman, who we maybe haven't talked enough about. He's been he's been right up there with that group. So it for me, it's those guys. Um, and resiliency often starts with those type of players. What does it mean that you're starting to see that resiliency in such a tough part of your schedule where you're getting Dallas again? You had Vegas earlier this week. You're going to get so many other tougher opponents between now and, and, and Christmas. What does it mean to you to see that resiliency at this juncture of the season? I, I don't know. I mean, we, we talk about tough opponents. If you're not at your best um, each and every night, no matter who your opponent is, you're not winning. Um, unless you have a goaltender that steals a game or, or you get a few lucky bounces. I mean, every team uh, is capable of winning on every any given night. So that's kind of the way we look at it. Yes, we have some teams that are at the top portion of standings that we're, we're going through right now. But if you're not at your best, you're not going to give yourself a chance to win no matter where teams are lying. You mentioned Blake the other day too, and I think you used the phrase "manages the room." Like, what what does this guy do that maybe doesn't get talked about enough? Yeah, he's got personality about him. I think he's a very infectious person. Um, that's one thing behind the scenes. You, know, you guys could tell by his media presence that he has. He does a real good job speaking, um, and because of his pedigree, where he's come from, his Stanley Cup championships, um, and the way he's playing right now, people look to him as a guy that we want to follow. So. Um, He's done it in a positive manner when we haven't played our, our best, and, and he's always been a guy that's been ready to push or kick, depending on what it called for. 
Ryan, I think it's safe to say your team has taken a step in the first two months of the season. What's the next step you'd like to see them take? Um, well, for me, it's better every day. I don't think that changes. So we know we have to get our power play um, uh, at a level where it's going to generate momentum for our team. It doesn't have to score all the time, but it has to generate momentum for our team. And then it's making sure we maintain that mentality. It's every day is a new day, and we have to get better. And how would you describe Jacob Markson's impact on your group so far? Um, he's had a massive impact for us right from the first day he came back. He's, he's brought a swagger um, with him. Um, and early in the year when we were struggling, some of those games could have been much different if it wasn't for the effort that he was, was putting in. Um, and I, what I love about him is a lot of people were like, ah, Jacob this, Jacob that. He... he never believed that whatsoever and he had a bit of a chip on his shoulder and, and he's come in that way so he is a key member of our team i talk about leadership um leadership group and his name's never mentioned in that um but he's very much a part of that in a lot of different ways we just go about him a little differently because you don't want to um, tack anything on to your goaltenders at certain times but jake the way he comes to play every day um, he is most definitely one of our key leaders how did you pick out, like going back to the start of the season, how did you pick out that swagger? How do you see that in him? First phone call that I had with him in the summer, he was different. Um, not happy with the year prior, and he's kind of, he's kept that um, a bit of edge to him as he's he's progressed throughout the year. The Gulf Flames head coach Ryan Huska checking in on a game day, Flames and the Dallas Stars from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. One of the players he highlighted in his uh, media availability, they heard a lot about Blake Coleman and, uh, delight so far for the Flames. He's been great this season. One of the leading scorers for the group. Uh, constant presence no matter what. Forming, of course, that great pairing with Michael Backlund and recently having Jonathan Huberto on that line. Let's hear from Blake Coleman as well. On a game day, see what's going on with number 20 ahead of this game against the Stars. Just this matchup, you saw him a while ago, but I think what the takeaway seemingly from the outside would be, that was kind of one of those wins that come from behind that kind of could propel this team and springboard them, and it looked like it carried on into Vegas. How do you kind of continue that momentum after that big win? Yeah, yeah it was uh, kind of been the way our team's been going the last little bit here, I think. Um, you know, got behind early, and um, obviously we knew they were going to be good in their own building, and, and they were, and um, you know, we just kind of stuck with it and were able to find some ways to score some goals and and uh get back in the game and then obviously uh ran with it in the third but it's gonna be a good test again you know we, we like the way we're playing um obviously the colorado game a little fatigue and not our best effort but um aside from that it's been it's been a good stretch but you got to keep your uh your foot on the gas here and and we know they're gonna be a good good test tonight they're i think eight one and one on the road so um not a team that that Dislikes playing on the road, so uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good game and you know a good measuring stick again. Blake, what can you build on from Monday night? It's your fifth game in eight days, and still were able to go out and play a pretty solid sixty. Like, what what are some of the things you can build on from a few nights ago? Yeah, I think that's actually it was a great effort from our team. I think you know you you think about all oh, your back at home, but it's kind of a trap game, right? You're coming off of uh, really really tough travel, and um, you know you don't have that practice. Day. It's a quick turnaround to to get back on the ice and, and guys are going to be tired and you know it was a little sleepy to start I thought from both sides and then uh, you know same thing we just stuck with it and you know we get the big goal uh, in the third to tie it and, and then obviously Weegs uh, you know makes an, a great play to win the game for us and um, just more of the same It's it's been good and uh, we want to keep it keep it going that way and um, should have a little bit more 
fresh legs and, and more energy tonight. I would expect that from our group, and um, you know we know what we're facing, so it's going to be a good game. Blake, what do you make of the resiliency of your group this year? Regardless of the situation, it seems like you guys have found a way to stay in the fight or battle back. Yeah, just a lot of different guys stepping up. Um, you know, it's this league's uh, it's tough to fill your best for 82 games. Um, if you can fill your best for 70 percent of them, I'd say you're you're happy with that. So on the nights where you're uh, you're not feeling it, you need teammates to, to step up and make plays. And um, you know that's the beauty of this team is we got four lines and, and 60 that can all contribute offensively as well as you know stay in our structure and and be reliable defensively. And at the end of the day, it's um, it's tougher to win games when you don't have you know the the one superstar line putting up you know two three goals or power play goals a night. But uh, everyone's bought into it and everyone's contributing. And um, you know in some ways it can actually be more dangerous uh, when you can't match and and lines are uh, dangerous every time they get on the ice. What's uh, what's the key to what's the key to maybe? starting off and, and not having to play from behind so often? What Maybe does this group have to change a little bit? In that uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say we've played poorly to start games. It's just kind of been the way the puck's gone. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, we, we've had pretty good starts and some games better than others. But I think, uh, you know, like I said, I think this is a, a game where there's no excuse not to have a lot of energy from the from the jump. And an opportunity for us to get on top of a team and you know in this league you'd prefer to play with the lead more than than chase it but um you know the good news is we found ways to be successful in in both both uh situations so um you know it's going to be a focal point for us to to find those early goals and and get leads and uh, be able to hold on to them but uh you know i don't think it's too much of a concern knowing that we can play any kind of game now there you go check it in with flames forward blake coleman on a game day like I mentioned, he's been great for the team, offensively contributing, defensively as rock solid as always on that line with Michael Backlund and Jonathan Huberto once again on Thursday when the Flames welcome in the Dallas Stars. One more check-in on a game day. Let's hear from A.J. Greer talk about another pleasant surprise for the Calgary Flames this season. Four goals on the year for the waiver wire pickup from the Boston Bruins and now uh, making himself a staple on the fourth line for the Calgary Flames. Also... A sneaky good interview uh, every time he hits the airwaves. Uh, intermissions with Pat, post-game, uh, a very intelligent and well-spoken man. Uh, and uh, once again, a chance to hear from AJ on a game day, Flames and the Dallas Stars. AJ, you've had a, you've had a really good offensive season on that fourth line. Just how do you feel you've played and the identity of the, of the line that you're on right now? Yeah, I'm really happy, um, both uh, personally and as a line. I think, um, you know, Teams that have success have, have good depth, and they they can rely on their depth, not only to be uh, you know good in the D zone, but also in the O zone and, and contribute uh, at certain key times. Um, you know you can't always rely on your big boys, and I think we're there to both be uh, you know reliable defensively and, and also uh, chip it away um, offensively, and that's what we've been doing. And we've been you know the identity we've been creating is just uh, just fast speed um you know physical and you know hound pucks and just hold pucks down low and and make them work for uh, every inch 
Um, and after I think it was Carrier ran, ran Vladar uh, early on in the game, I think I saw you trying to like talk to him after or whatever. Like, like how important is that element of the game or what, what you provide in terms of like not enforcer, but doing those types of things? Well, that's certainly important just to set a standard. Um, if you're going to run our goalie, you better be ready to pay the price. Um, I didn't like his, his, uh, his answer. I think, you know, whether it was intentional or not, and it did look intentional, um, you have, you're going to have to ring the, you know, answer the bell, and you're going to have to be ready to, to know that someone's going to come after you just because, especially with our situation, having Marky out, we only had one goalie. Uh, you can't be doing that. So um, it is what it is. Uh, but, you know, I'd like to fight there. What do you take away from the first two meetings with Dallas ahead of tonight? Uh, strong opponent, um, very gifted offensively, uh, and their transitions very fast. So what we have to do is just make sure that we limit the turnovers and and uh, we take care of things in our own zone um, and then just do our thing in the ozone. We have enough talent in this room to be able to, to, to produce uh, at a high level. Um, and, you know, our, our defense and our goalies have been doing the job for us. So as forwards, we just have to be ready to, to do our job in the D zone and then uh, make sure that we make uh, the right plays in the O zone. We'll get our chances. That kind of comeback, though, that, that seems almost like a kind of an inspiring one, right? Gives you a little momentum. You go in, you finish that game off, you go against Vegas. Does that, that win kind of springboard this group a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's numerous occasions where I think uh, we've kind of fed off a certain... Uh, Certain energy, uh, you know, certain points of the season, and, and especially coming out of that slump, we needed uh, certain, you know, inspiring wins like that. So, um, especially last game, I thought, you know, coming back like that and, and winning an OT in front of our fans and having the building erupt uh, sets us up nicely for a nice homestand and uh, gets the fans excited. So, uh, I know that everyone here is is pumped to, to play tonight and, 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 you know, and be in front of our fans. AJ, what's been the fuel to these, to these comebacks and that seeming never say die attitude that this group has right now it's just the belief the belief in our system and the belief in our group sometimes when you're down you start to change your game a bit you start to to doubt whatever system you have going and, and you try to go on your own uh, in your own lane and, and try to give the team some hope but realistically uh, you know the NHL is a hard, hard and tough league and you have to be ready to play 60 minutes and um, that just shows you how resilient this group is and how uh, we do believe that even if we are down a goal or two, um, you know, we stick to the process and, and we believe in this group and, and the talent that we have here. Anything's possible, and you saw it uh, numerous occasions already. And how important maybe is the mood or the attitude on the bench or who keeps things light when maybe you are trailing by a goal? Well, I think uh, the leadership group does a great job at just, you know, telling us to stick with it and, I think every uh, every one of these players has some sort of leadership aspect to them. Um, you know, you don't have to be so vocal. You know, it can just be going out there and blocking a shot, or doing something right where you know fires the, the guys up on the bench. So um, it's important for everyone to do something extra when we're down a goal or, or we're not feeling it too much. And that's what you've been seeing. You know, especially with uh, the uh, the rookies coming in and, and giving us a little bump of energy, and, and then. It kind of elevates everyone's game up, um, and of course, our goalie's been amazing too. Uh, goalies this year have been uh, outstanding. We wouldn't have won that game without Vladdy last game. So, um, yeah, I think you know leadership group for sure. But 
just knowing that, okay, I'm going to go out there and do something um, for this group and, and make sure that uh, I can put myself in the best position to help this team win. There you go. A.J. Greer, our final look inside the Flames locker room following morning skate at the Scotiabank Saddledome as the Flames get set to take on the Dallas Stars. We're bringing you Flames locker room audio first here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. We'll take a break, come back on the other side, dive in with one of our Thursday regulars next. Adnan Verk joins the program. How much are we going to read into these Shohei Otani rumors? Can we expect a decision anytime soon? We'll go around some of the biggest rumors among Major League Baseball next as our pal Adnan Verk joins us here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Rolled on this hour on a Flames game day. Flames and the Dallas Stars from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Closing out their season series. Pat Steinberg's got your Flames warm up. Six o'clock tonight from the Hot Stove Lounge. And then, of course, Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson will call the Flames and the Stars right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan puck drop just after seven o'clock tonight at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. But right now, very happy. To continue this hour, we're going down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Chat with our Thursday regular here on Sportsnet today. It's our pal Adnan Verk from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. Adnan, how are you, pal? Logan, I'm doing great, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Busy here on a game day, getting set for uh, another day at the Saddle Dome. But we uh, we love our hockey around here, so we're good to go. I love that. It's uh, it's a great time as a sports fan because even now I don't know. I'm sure it's been cold in Calgary for a little bit, but more of a chill here in the air. It officially feels like winter, so you know, like four months of winter. But it also means a great time to indulge in hockey and and the winter season, right? Fireplaces and marshmallows and ice skating and skiing. So I love it. It's a good time of year. Have you kept up with your uh, your Flyers? I know you've been busy with uh, World Series stuff and the off season getting underway in baseball. But have you kept up with your uh, your Flyers and John Tortorella this season much? I have. It was very odd. Back-to-back games against the Islanders in New York. It was very bizarre. They played at home against They played on the road, I should say, against the Islanders. Then played the Rangers on Black Friday. And then played the Islanders again in New York on the Saturday. <laughs> it's very odd to have two games at UBS Arena and Sandwich Arena at MSG. But, listen, they've been surprisingly effective, I think, this year. I mean, we're pushing for a playoff saw, which not many people thought Flyers probably thought to be, you know, another bottom feeder and looking at a high draft pick. But one thing about Torch does not rest in those laurels. And you see the important slogan of having their two biggest stars back. Having a healthy Couturier and having a healthy Atkinson is massive. I mean, you, you have your two best players back and raring to go. And Carter Hart's got like a 915 save percentage. He's been awfully good so far. So, yeah, I didn't expect he'd be around a, a number eight playoff spot, but playing the Devils tonight at home. So I, I've been keeping up a little bit. Nice win the other day against the Islanders. How about that? But imagine you go to a game, scoreless through regulation and overtime. Flyers win one nothing in a shootout, but it still counts as a shootout for Sorokin and our backup goalie, Airson. I mean, that's if you like goals, you'd probably be furious being at that game. But ultimately, we picked up the win, and uh, it was good to see. Good to know. Yeah, I was curious if you had uh, kept an eye on them or not. I figured you would have, but just wanted to make sure. Because, uh, of course, we've been so busy in the MLB offseason, and uh, the main story, we talked about it a bit last week, Shohei Otani, you're still waiting on a decision, it sounds like we're getting closer, but I'm curious, Adnan, from a perspective like yours, when we get to this point with a, a major free agent and you hear all these rumors running around from, from different people that this team's into it or this team might be in pursuit, how much of it do you think is is, is realistic or is it a case-by-case basis with some of these top-end superstar free agents? 
Well, it's a great point, Logan, because I was talking to Dan O'Dell, the former executive of the year, ran the Rockies for a dozen years, and he said to me, he goes, you know, sometimes rumors would come out, and there'd be some truth to it, but guys, you know, would stretch it a little bit, certain insiders. And he goes, some stuff, I swear to God, said it made up. And I would start laughing. I said, come on, he goes, no, I, goes, I know for a fact there was players on my team that I had no intention of trading. And I would turn on the TV or someone would send me a report. Oh, yeah, I heard that you, know, you guys are shopping, whomever. And he's like, that's just not true. <laughs> nothing. And, I, and I burst out laughing. I said, you know, I've always thought that where there's smoke, there's fire. At least some thought to something. And he goes, no. And I'll give you an even more specific example. Because you had talked to me, as had the Toronto radio guys, about the Bobochet trade rumors. And, of course, Dan's with his ties to the Rockies. And Dante Bichette is very fond of Bobochet. So I said, hey, I want to talk about it on the show. And when I said to him, you know, what's your reaction to these Bobochet the Cubs trade rumors? He laughed and goes, I think it's ludicrous. And I think, quite frankly, it's baseless. And I was like, wow. So he, he completely poured cold water on it. And he goes, listen, did, did the Cubs perhaps call the Blue Jays and say we'd love to get Boba Because maybe that happened. I mean, that's fine. But are the Blue Jays shopping him? He goes, I can't imagine that's the case. And he goes, and I'm sure that Atkins and Shapiro, when they got that phone call, said they're going to ask for the moon for Boba Like, they have no intention of trading if they want to. So it's funny. When, like, when you hear some of these rumors, you have to literally say to yourself, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much truth to this is there? Because not everything that you're hearing is true. And some of the stuff is just throwing out wild rumors and speculation, which, hey, I enjoy which is the next guy. Right? When we were 12 years old, we were joking about, hey, trade this guy for that guy. What about what that trade would be? So I totally get this is the, the world that we live in. But, yeah, some of these rumors are just absolute nonsense. And some of them have a lot of truth to them. And what's hard to determine is where do you disseminate the truth? And, as you know, next week's the Major League Baseball Winter Meetings. It's my first time going so I'm flying to Nashville on Sunday. Very disappointed. No Preds home game. I thought for sure Ooh. because the shift is yeah right. The shift is during the day. So I said perfect. I'll go to Bridgestone Arena and go watch the Preds. But Preds on the road the entire five days that I'm there. So very frustrating. So Sunday to Thursday, and I'm praying fingers crossed that Otani happens while I'm there on the <laughs> air. I think that'd be amazing. Producer says in my ear, guess what? Otani to the Dodgers, <laughs> and we get to break the story, and we never. But we'll find out. We'll see. The crazy thing about all these Otani rumors, Virk, is, and I, look, I appreciate that everybody feels they have something to offer, but as long as you and me have talked about this, and, and you mentioned it right there, don't the Dodgers just seem to be the the easiest and the best choice of all? I mean, you barely, you probably don't even have to move if you're Shohei Otani. You can go to a winning organization. They're still going to pay you as much probably as anybody else is offering you and look, I mean, I'd love for him to go to the Blue Jays, but do I expect him to pack up shop, grow across country and across a border into to Canada for all of this and, and uproot himself? I really don't know if that's if that's feasible for the guy when the option to go. I mean, even even the Giants to me seems like a, a better fit for him than going to Toronto. I'd love to believe it. But I mean, when you have a team like the Dodgers and you're going from the Angels, it doesn't feel like it's that hard of a sell if you're L.A. No, I'm with you, man. I mean, listen, I'm very proud of the fact I'm Canadian. I really love the fact I live here in New Jersey. But I've been to Southern California a dozen times. I don't think I've ever had a bad trip to Los Angeles. Yeah. Every single time I'm there, it's plus 27, it's sunny, it's blue skies, and it's awesome. The people are nice. The weather's incredible. The beach is great. It's a great, chill vibe. There's lots to do. Of course, I love Hollywood, so the movie scene is awesome. And if you're a sports fan, you got the Dodgers, you've got the Lakers, you've got the Angels, you've got the Kings. Um, you know, there's lots of great sports to enjoy when you're there. So for Otani, everything I've heard is he's enjoyed playing in Los Angeles. He just wants to play for a winner. So to your point, any other team, I have to say to myself, 
well, what is it that L.A. doesn't have that this team has? So, for example, if you say, well, Tani goes to the Blue Jays, I'm like, but why, what do they have the Dodgers don't have? The mm-hmm. Dodgers have a pocket. Like, they weren't top three in payroll this past year, even though they've led in payroll the last several seasons. So they cleared a little bit of payroll for this exact reason. So the Otani, they can make a run at, and they would knock it out big. So money's not going to be an issue. Whatever he wants, he's going to get. 12 years, 550, my prediction. He's going to get it wherever he goes. As far as a winning team, yeah, they've won the division 10 of the last 11 years. And because they spend, they're always going to be in the market. They've got as good a front office as Andrew Freeman and Dave Roberts as anybody else. Other collection of star players, yeah, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Clayton Kershaw. So if Otani doesn't want to be the superstar who has all the pressure on him, no problem. Mookie will share some of that pressure, as will Freddie, as will their other position players as well. So I just don't understand why it wouldn't be the Dodgers. You know, to lead the Angels, that makes sense. They haven't been a winner. They have not been successful. But to go to any other team, to me, it has to be a bit of a stretch. Now, the team you mentioned is the Giants. If it's not the Dodgers, the number two team to me is the Giants because they also are desperate to sign a big market free agent and have failed in doing so and going for Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa the last offseason. So they clearly need a star. Ever since Buster Posey's been gone, they don't have a face to franchise. Brandon Crocker may not be back as well. He's been their you know, most durable player in terms of years there. But they need a guy. And, of course, they're the Dodgers' biggest competitor, and they've also got the money to spend. They may not have the Dodgers' spend money, but the Giants, you know, when they're rolling, when they won those three World Series, they were printing money. And to me, it's still a big market franchise. So... If I rank and I go Dodgers, Giants, and after that, it's a distant third. Maybe the Mariners, if there's some appeal there, because each of play there, if you want to carry the legacy of a Japanese baseball player. Maybe the Rangers a little bit, because look, they both spend no matter what. They just won a World Series. But you get a tough time talking about the West Coast, specifically the Dodgers and the Giants, when it comes to Otani. Does a guy like Otani and the fact that there's so much money on the table and perhaps all these teams, you know, at least thinking they have a chance, does it have the potential to be – sort of the breaking point for the MLB offseason, whereas once he makes his decision, we'll see the trickle down for everybody else that, that missed out yeah. on Otani start to fill their needs elsewhere? I was definitely thinking about that with regards to pitching because when I was in on Monday, it was when Sonny Gray signed with the Cardinals, three years, $75 million. And they had a couple of their one-year deals. They were signing Lance Lynn as well. So, and um, – uh, Kyle Gibson as well from the Orioles. So I'm like, okay, the Cardinals made the move. They signed three pitchers, and Sonny Gray's at $25 million a year, runner up for the Cy Young. You know, at the age of 34, he signs a great contract and good for him. But immediately, Dan O'Dowd made the point to me, okay, what ends up happening is that if you're the Braves, you know, you would have loved Sonny Gray. You missed out on him, and you start to say to yourself, okay, if Yamamoto, who's the top pitcher believed to be available, feels like mess, well, then we got to get Blake Snell. And if Snell is not available or he goes elsewhere, then what are we going to do? So – I do agree that there's a trickle-down effect. You set your sight to the GM at the front office on A, B, and C. And once A goes, you've got to pounce quickly and go, okay, let me go get B and C. So specifically with Otani, I think it makes sense because if there's a half a dozen teams that think they're in on this guy, once he does indeed sign, then those other teams have to pivot and go, okay, who's the next best position player available? Probably Cody Bellinger, former MVP, rookie of the year, all-star, Browns back season. All right, well, we were going to give Otani $500 million. Let's go get Ballinger $200 million and make a move. Because I, I agree with you. I think it becomes a very quick trickle-down effect. Once the, the musical chairs stop and one guy goes in one spot, you quickly have to make a move and sign other players. Otherwise, you're going to be left empty holding the bag. Uh, last one uh, on sort of the Shohei Otani and the fallout from him. If, indeed, he does walk away from the Angels, which it seems very likely at this point he'll do, would that finally give the organization, in your mind, the 
the go-ahead to move on from a guy like Mike Trout and really start this thing over again? Like, would that finally be the last straw where they say, okay, look, we got to we gotta move on. We got to try to start this thing over again. Or do you think they, they hold on to Trout and, and still try to, I, I don't know, be what they've been, I guess, the last couple of years just without Shohei? Yeah, you know, I think they should trade Trout. To me, I'm like, it's diminishing returns at this point. He's a guy who, you know, only plays 120 games every last three seasons. So it's going to be hard in terms of his durability. And he's still got a lot of money left. He's got a bunch of years. So to me, I'm like, if Otani leaves, which he almost certainly will, you should just accept the fact that you're not going to be any good anytime. God, with Trout and Otani, you still weren't a winning team. So you should accept the fact that you're not going to be doing so in the short term. And you can get a good collection back for Mike Trout. So, I don't know if it'll end up happening, but I think it should. I think if Otani's gone, Prayman Ashton's a really smart guy, should look around and go, okay. Like, I mean, I'm Philadelphia, I could imagine, would love to get Mike Trout. Could you imagine? This is a South Jersey guy, group of Phillies fan. You pair him with Bryce Harper. Uh, they re-signed Aaron Nola. Like, to me, I'm like, that, that's a no-brainer. If Trout is indeed available, could play for his, his hometown team, the team they rooted for going up. So, I think it's still a good haul back for him. You know what I mean? Like, even – you know, if you want to disparage him, you can say he's getting $35 million a year, only plays 120 games a year, and he's not the player he once was, even though he's a three-time MVP. But if you love Mike Trout, you go, I would think a change of scenery will benefit him. He's been stuck losing in Los Angeles for all these years. You put him in an environment like Philadelphia where I think he could thrive. And if he's healthy, there's no doubt he'll put up numbers, especially when it comes to the home runs and his defense, his base running, all the rest of it. So, yeah, I think once Otani goes, and just try to trade Trout, whether that ends up happening, Remains to be seen, right? There's a lot of factors to it. Maybe Trout doesn't want to go to a certain team. Maybe they have to eat some money. Like, that's where it gets tricky. But, yeah, I mean, just on its surface level, if you're not going to win, then you could trade your asset and get something for them. And then Verk along with us, MLB Network, and our Thursday regular here on Sportsnet today. I uh, wanted to ask you about the GM meetings, these winter meetings that you're going to go to. Of course, all 30 teams getting together in one location. It's always meant... Uh, an increase in transactions, and it's just going to happen when you bring everybody together like that. It's it's bound to happen. But I guess from your perspective, going to cover this, Verk, it's got to be exciting because you guys have an endless list of directions that you can go to from a broadcast perspective and guys that you can pull in and talk about whichever news cycle goes through when you guys are there, right? Yeah, like when it ends up happening, you've worked trade deadlines before. You know what it's like. like you, you wait for the news to happen. But if nothing happens, you're already prepared anyways. Yep. Right? Like, so on the day of, you're like, okay, what are the frames need? Uh, a left, left-handed shot defenseman. Okay, sure. A backup goalie, whatever. So you already start looking at what potential players could they sign. And when they do sign, again, you've got something to talk about and you dive in. So I can't wait, man. I'll be there, like, like I said. I'm, we're afternoon shows, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So something's going to happen. As you said, there's always a flurry of activity. Whether or not it's Otani or, you know, a player who's lesser known, it's fine. For me, news is news. Like, no matter what, we're going to be talking next week, and one of Otani, Bellinger, Snell, you know, Mola, one of those guys is going to have signed, and then I'll give us plenty to talk about. And even if, if suppose somehow nothing happens, like no major player signed, you still talk about who are the, the winners and losers, right? Which teams should have signed somebody? Which teams right now are on the clock? Which teams right now feel some urgency to make a trade? You know, will the Mets trade Pete Alonso? That could be a conversation you could have, even if nothing happens. So I'm with you, man. It's, it's, it's really fun as a baseball fan. You know, long gone are the days of the season's over around Halloween and I'll see in February. You know, now because of the winter meetings and all the off-season stuff with free agency, in some ways, this is a really fun time as a baseball fan because you can dream. Like you said, if you're a Blue Jays fan, you can say to yourself, just imagine if we got Otani, the impact that could make. Have you been to Nashville before? Is this your first time? 
my brother used to live in Madisonville, Kentucky, which I had to fly into Nashville to go see him. So I, I went to the airport, and I drove through to get to Kentucky, and that was about it. So this is my first time really enjoying it. I love Johnny Cash, so I already looked up. There's a Johnny Cash Museum. And because I don't, I'm not crazy about flying, I get claustrophobic, I always take an early flight. So I'm taking a six, because what I do is I stay up late the night before, so I'm super tired. And when I get to the plane, I just crash. I know, it's kind of ridiculous. So I'm going to stay up late Saturday night watching hockey, and then Sunday morning leave my house at 4 a.m., get a 6 a.m. flight. So I'll land in Nashville, which I believe is Central time, 8 a.m. So, I mean, it's going to be ridiculous how early I'm there. I don't even know. You can't even check into a hotel, right? So 3 nope. p.m. So I'm going to find something to do for like seven hours. So I will go to, I believe it's uh, Fifth and Broadway. Somebody told me that's the, the main stretch there of Nashville, or Smashville as the locals call it. Can't imagine it'll be hopping around Sunday at 11 a.m. Probably people are at church at that time, but <laughs> I'll at least go check it out. The Cash Museum, I think, opens around 10 a.m., so I'll go check out Johnny, pay homage to the man in black. And then a guy actually tweeted me. He says he drives an Uber in Nashville and will be honored to drive me around. And so, silly me that I am, I wrote back to him. I'm like, great, well, here's where I'm going to be. <laughs> and I said, where, I said where, where's the best sports bar? Because, of course, Eagles 49ers, 325 local bar. Yep. So there's some place, he said, it's near the – He's sitting near the stadium. I don't know what stadium he means. I'm assuming Titans or Preds. I don't even know what stadium. But maybe it's the minor league baseball. I'm not sure. But he said third and something. It's a great sports bar. So I'll be uh, parked up there. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is the meetings. And then someone said to me, go check out the Great Old Opera if you can because we're staying at that hotel. And then a friend of mine, Claire Atkinson, is from Nashville. So I said, give me something else to do because Thursday I've got the whole day. I want to enjoy Nashville. She goes, honestly, Country Music Hall of Fame. And I said, I'm not a big country guy. Aside from Johnny Cash, she goes, I know, but trust me. It's a really cool thing to see. So it's like, imagine you telling someone who's not a hockey fan, <laughs> if you're in Toronto, you have to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame. If they just don't like hockey, I know, but you have to go check it out. So I don't know. Do you think I should go to the Country Music Hall of Fame or go find something else to do on Thursday in Nashville? Yeah, I don't know if you're a country fan that you're going to get that kind of enjoyment out of it. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I've never been myself, but I, if I wasn't, uh, I'm with you. If I wasn't a hockey person, I wouldn't be running to the Hockey Hall of Fame either. So... I might have a hard time with that one. You know what you got to do? You got to take Steinberg. Uh, our pal Patty was there for the NHL awards and uh, made a good time around there with uh, a couple of different NHL writers. So he uh, he knows a couple of good spots that'll get you going for your time there. All right. Text to Steinberg. Eateries, establishments to go to. Because even somebody was telling me, go again, that's just in Broadway stretch. You know, you'll, you'll get a bunch of, because if you like live music, again, it, it would be helpful if you're a country guy, but even if you just like live music, if you walk along that stretch, and he goes, why you'll find some, like, honky-tonk clubs around there? And I burst out laughing. I pictured, like, Eddie Murphy in 48 hours. Like, I'm going to walk into this country in Western, but like, what the hell? Like, Burke definitely standing out there, not fitting in. So that may be happening Wednesday night as well. Who knows? Uh, you, you and me know Pat uh, well enough that he knows every hole in the wall when, uh, when he goes somewhere. So he'll have a couple of degenerate spots that you'll enjoy, no doubt. Um, before we let you go, what though, is the food is it? I'm trying to think. What's the like the big food in Nashville? Is it catfish? I'm trying to think. What do they throw on the ice? Nashville hot chicken, right? Hot That's got to be the right. thing Nashville there. Hot chicken. All right, so hot chicken and catfish. Hopefully. That's got to yeah. That's, that's got to be it. So uh, before I let you go, I've uh, noticed on your Twitter account. And I'd love to give you uh, our listeners an inside. Uh, so you get screening stuff from. I'm assuming different production companies all the time promoting their movies. Yeah. You've put a bunch of them on Twitter lately. Tell me uh, about some of these things and what comes in these packages for you. Yeah, I think someone once said to me, because, you know, social media, my cousin who doesn't do it, I respect him for it. It's just bragging. I go, yeah, pretty much. So right now I'm just bragging about all the free stuff that I'm getting (laughs) from all these companies. So um, A24, for example, is a studio which does independent films. 
they just sent me like a bunch of random stuff. It looked like some booze from the movie Past Lives, which is one of my favorite movies of the year, and a calendar, which all the movies from A24. Um, you know, it's something to do with Iron Claw, which is a wrestling movie coming out December 22nd. Jeremy Allen White from The Bear and Zach Efron. That's getting a lot of buzz. They sent me a uh, notebook, which is with Dream Scenario, the Nicholas Cage movie, which I loved. So you can write down your dreams. And I got a ton, a ton of records. So my buddy Alpha Helwan, who's a loyal Philippine listener like yourself, he still has a record player. So every time I post a picture, he's like, hey, buddy, send that one to me. So <laughs> I have now received five, five albums for the movie Wish, which is from Disney, which just came out. Yep. I haven't seen it yet. Maestro, the Bradley Cooper movie, which I watched today. I'll review it next week instead of file. Um, there's a bunch of them. I was like, I'm like, I'm getting all these LPs. It's crazy. So I've got five giant records. If I had a record player, I could play. And a lot of screenplays. Uh, American Fix is the movie I just reviewed on Cinephile. I loved it. I just got the screenplay sent to me. Oppenheimer screenplay, Barbie screenplay. It sounds cool, but then you just say to yourself, when's the last time you sat down and wanted to read a screenplay? Like, it's, <laughs> we love the movies. But it's really only valuable to somebody who's a writer. So one of my friends, yeah. R.T., is a director. I may send it to him, just go, hey, as a director slash writer, maybe this will be helpful to you. But I think to the average person, I imagine you went to the library in Calgary, like, oh, what are you picking up? Book of fiction? Nonfiction? No, I like to read screenplays. Like, what? <laughs> like, do you read them while you're watching the movie, or are you just try to imagine? Unless you're actually a screenwriter, I don't know how valuable these things are. But, yeah, I got LPs and I got screenplays coming out of my you-know-what. And, and then I imagine, as we talked about a few weeks ago, you just get stuff everywhere, right? And then you've got all this stuff sitting yeah. around, and what the hell do you do with it? You don't, Do you feel okay throwing it out? They sent it to you. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll use a dream notebook one day, but maybe I won't use a record. What the hell do you do with all that? No, you're right. The records, I'm definitely to give to my buddy off when I'm in Toronto next month. That's three weeks from now. I'll be home over the holidays. That's good. But as you've noted, I just got rid of like 50 books, and now my wife's going to get mad. You're going to always clutter again. All this crap show up. So the, the, the screenplays, I don't know. The screenplays, I might just post and go, whoever wants these, I'll mail it to you. But that might go back to the library. But I already told you, what was her reaction? I showed up with 50 books. Imagine when I show up with 10 screenplays. How's that going to go? So. I don't know, man. I'm just going to start giving this stuff away because you're right. Even, even how about this? I started getting clothing. So I got a hoodie for the movie Air, which sounds great, but like it's kind of a thin hoodie. Like I like a oh, thin yeah. hoodie. So I put it on. I'm like, damn, this isn't great. It's a thin hoodie. That's not going to – why does that help you in, in, in this world we live in? That's a September type hoodie, right? That's not very valuable. Um, I got a T-shirt for the movie May-December, Julian Moore, Natalie Portman. I get it. Where am I going to walk around with a May-December T-shirt? Like I'm not wearing that shirt. <laughs> and the last one I just got, the holdovers, which I loved – it's one of my favorite movies of the year. It's a sweatshirt, but it says Barton on it, which is the prep school, which in the movie, Paul Giamatti teaches that. Again, I showed it to my wife. She just that's a pretty ugly sweatshirt. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, unless you know Barton is from the holdovers, why would you wear that sweatshirt? So I've got articles of clothing as well. Maybe I'll be donating to the Google. I really don't know at this point. <laughs> uh, check out Adnan's Twitter, not only for uh, good sports takes and whatever he's up to in the sports world, but... Uh, for some things you might see at your local Goodwill coming up uh, when he decides to purge his house once again. Uh, and I always enjoy the chats, pal. Uh, thanks for the time, as always. Safe travels to Nashville, hey? I appreciate it, Logan. We'll check in next week, and I'll check in with Steinberg on what to get. Appreciate it, pal. Take care, eh? Uh, you too, buddy. Take Bye care. now. Adnan Vert joining us. Our Thursday regular MLB Network, NHL Network, and, of course, the Cinephile Podcast. Follow on Twitter at Adnan. S. Verk. Take a break. Come back on the other side. Back to the Flames and the Dallas Stars. We'll kick off Hour 2 with a look at the opposition finishing off the season series against the Dallas Stars. Saad Youssef from The Athletic joins us to talk all things Dallas. That's when Sportsnet Today returns here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.